Hey y'all, this is Jason from My Madness Method. I wanted to take a moment and share with you my appreciation and how overwhelmed I am by the reaction and support I've received this year for the My Madness Method podcast. I'm also happy to share with you soon a new podcast, one that will feature guests, new perspectives, and conversations around more topics than just my crazy story. I'd also like to share with you, I'll be appearing on several different shows around the web throughout the coming year and would love for you to join me there as well. Currently, you can hear me on Gary Talks with host Gary Kelly and the Sad Times podcast hosted by Kevin Crispin. You can find the links to these podcasts in the show notes or visit my website, 819product.com. That's the word 819product.com to catch all my appearances across the web. Once again... Thank you for supporting me and the My Madness Method podcast. And I'd also like to ask that you subscribe and listen to Gary Talks and Sad Times. They each have amazing platforms, and these guys are absolute pleasures to listen to and to talk to. And they're really making a difference out there as well. Thanks again. There's a saying, wherever you go, there you are. Well, duh, right? It's crazy to think of how deep that statement really is when, no shit, here I am. But the reality is, you can be nowhere, and there you are. Doesn't matter where you stand, or where you lay, or where you play. If your mind ain't right, you're never where you think you are. Your perception is your reality. Whether you fancy yourself a musician, or a doctor, or a drug dealer, or a victim... Your mind believes what you allow it to, and there's no running away from yourself. You want a dollar's worth of free advice? Accept you and all your flaws and poor decision-making, because the only thing you cannot run from is yourself. My name is Jason Farias, and this is my Madness Method. So we've established I can exercise forgiveness, right? Clearly. So Cindy and I are moving on past that point. And where we are now, we're, we're still homeless. It's still cold. The Honda is gone permanently. Okay. You know, we've, we've talked about the evolution and development of this alter ego that I think existed in me. Now, mind you, I gave him this goofy name, Hefe, just because it was that joking name. I had never really called out or even identified in my own head that there was this whole other character until I really started having this podcast and this conversation with you. So that's the name he gets. Okay. Now we fast forward. Cindy and I are homeless. We're kind of just roaming aimlessly around the valley, getting high and getting in trouble. And and I had had a conversation in, our, in the last podcast where I was talking about how Latin chicks are crazy, right? Let me put in perspective <laughs> when I knew that this chick was full-blown crazy. We're at a hotel. We were fortunate enough to get together enough coin that we were able to get a hotel at the Best Western there in, in Manteca. We were hanging out, and there was this dude... Raymond, and he used to hang out with this cat. I think his name was Craig. 
I, I, I may be off there, but Raymond and Craig used to run around together and Raymond was this Hispanic dude. Craig was this black guy. And they were like two peas in a pod, right? There's just kind of trouble wherever they go. But we were cool. Like, you know, we had done business together. We had run around in the same circles. But anyway, uh, we had connected, I don't know, maybe maybe at the pool hall, I think, there in town. We had, we had connected. Hey, we got a hotel room. You all want to come by? We'll get lit and the whole thing. We uh, we get back to the hotel, and, and I don't know what Raymond thought it was that was going to happen, but I, I think he thought that I had a lot more dope on me or a lot more money than I really did. Now, mind you, I don't know if he had any kind of update on where I really was in life, but fuck, he was wrong by his assumption. And we're in the hotel room, and we're getting high, and I'm sitting on, like, the edge of the bed, like, on the corner. I'm, like, straddling the corner of the bed. And Cindy's like sitting Indian style behind me on the bed. Ramon was leaning on the dresser that was in front of me. And Craig was like on that, you know, when you enter into a hotel room, there's always that little table off to the side with two chairs and whatever. He's sitting there and Ramon gets his wild hair up his ass. And he's like, Hey man, let me get whatever, uh, whatever dope and money you got. And I was like, what? And he stands up and I, this motherfucker is going to try to rob me right now. And he pulls out a knife and he's standing right in front of me now. The scary thing was, I didn't have a concern in my body. I looked at that blade and I thought, that's not even that big. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that's not going to kill me even if he hits me with it. I don't, <laughs> that is not the thought of a sane person, right? Behind me is my crazy ass girlfriend. And this bitch jumps up and pulls out her knife and she's hopping around behind me on the bed, fucking screaming, come on, motherfucker, let's go. Let's go, motherfucker, let's go. Dude, <laughs> I'm just laughing. I don't even turn around to look at her. I'm I'm just looking at him in the eyes. Now, mind you, I'm still sitting down and I'm not giving this guy any of the attention he's hoping he's going to get. Right. And I'm looking up at him and I'm like, I really think you need to have a seat and or get the fuck out of here before what's behind me jumps all over you. And here's the thing. She had never done anything like that before, but the role I was playing in that moment, I acted like I knew this was going to happen. And he's like, he's kind of like putting his arm out to the side with, with like the blade sideways, like it's going to come at my head or something like that. And he's like, give me, give me your shit. But he, but he's like stuttering. Cause he's got this fucking crazy chick right behind me with a way fucking bigger knife than he had. And I was like, bro, I think it's time you go. And fucking his boy, Craig is like, yeah, well, there's, he kind of giggled. He's like, let's let's just go, dude. And Raymond kind of looks like left and right. And he's like, all right. And fucking he just gave up, y'all. This fucking guy gave up. Like, he thought he was going to jack me. And my crazy-ass chihuahua of a girlfriend is fucking behind me losing her shit. And I'm telling you guys, like, there's a part of me that believes she'd have fucking, like, racked this guy up, you know? And... I just sat there like I knew everything, how it was going to go down. And I don't know how I played it that cool. It was probably just the insanity or how high I was. I, I really don't know. So they leave. Cindy and I get a good chuckle. I, I, You know what's crazy? We didn't even talk about it right then. I wasn't like, damn, babe, or none of that shit. I was like, you good? And she's like, yeah, I'm good. And we just went back about our business. But, but a light bulb went on that day that... Uh, it was another reflection moment of of just how 
far down we had fallen. Okay. I mean, the whole thing that happened at my uncle's house, you know, losing the Honda once and then, you know, getting back together and the the Manteca apartment and fucking losing the Honda again and go being able to stay at her parents, but getting kicked out. Now we're homeless. And we started thinking it might be time to go. And what's interesting is right around that same time we were thinking about it, we were out and about town again. It might have been a couple nights later. I, You know, the money had ran out. I think we had one or two nights at the Best Western. So we were back out on the streets, no car, just kind of bumming rides, getting around. And we had wound up linking up with this couple. Okay. And, and interestingly, so it's this couple, Jenny and Alan. So Jenny and Alan were like a rocker couple. Like he kind of gave the vibe like Shaggy, right? From Scooby-Doo, you know, kind of shoulder length, stringy, reddish, blondish hair, you know, leather jacket and jeans and a, and a, and a band shirt and boots full year, did it all year round. It didn't matter if it was hot or cold. That's what he wore, you know? And I think the best way I could describe Jenny was like picture Miss Pac-Man with pants on. So he was this tall, skinny guy, short, fat chick, Total rockers. Well, they were also in the mix that very first time I ever introduced myself jokingly as Hefe. So this is the only way these two people ever addressed me. Ever. And and they knew that that wasn't my name, but that's how I introduced myself. And that was the only way they would ever call to me. And we ran into them. I think we we're at the store, actually. We were like the Save Mart or something. Anyway... What are you doing? We're like, oh, nothing. You guys want to hang out? Fuck yeah, let's hang out. We go back to their apartment. It's over at the Olive Park Apartments. By the interestingly, back sort of over by the apartment we just lost. Different apartment complex, but same road. And we're back over on that side of town. And we're hanging out in their apartment, and we start getting high. I don't have much dope left. Like I, I had all that dope from Joe. That ran out. I, I sort of I stopped flipping it. The 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 need to sell became less important as the need to get high. And now we were just kind of living bag to bag. Whereas before it was, you know, I had enough. I never even thought of it. You know, we're sitting there with Jenny and Alan and we're getting loaded and and you know, the night comes and the night goes. And the next day, we're sort of coming down. We could use a little more dope. But we started talking about, yo, how fun would it be to just fucking bounce out to Vegas? And they were like, yeah, let's go. And they drove this enormous bucket of a car. It was like an old 1970-something Plymouth Pontiac. You know, it was one of them big-ass boats. It was probably shit brown or vomit green or you know what cars I'm talking about. It was horrible big rides, but they're crazy comfortable. And we figured, all right, we have enough money for gas to get there, gas to get back, and, and probably a little dope. Now, mind you, this is early 2000s, you know, gas was a hell of a lot cheaper back then. Like, you didn't have to have a ton of money just to drive to Vegas. And I tell Alan, hey, call your call your guy. Like, because if I go hunting my connect now, we have to go the wrong direction. You know, we want to head south to get to Vegas from where we're at. And 
for me to get some of my dope, I got to go north. And, and there's one thing about me. I, I hate going against the direction I'm trying to head. Even now, like, oh, we should we should go this way. No, that's not the right direction. We're going to go this way. And and so for me, I'm like, I'm not going north if I need to go south. So call your dude. We'll go south. And his dude was in like the Modesto sort of series area. And he called him up and was like, hey, we need some, you know, X amount. I think it was like a half an eight ball or maybe we got an eight ball. I don't know. We meet up with him. We get the dope. We stop at a park. We're going to get high. And we load the pipe. And I'm like, man, this shit don't look right, bro. And he's like, oh, no, his he crushes his stuff down. And I'm like, why? Why would you do that? Mind you, I put in like 80% of the money. So I'm I'm like feeling testy about this shit and, and a little leery, man. I've been cooking this shit for so long. I know what the fuck I'm looking at. But my addiction has gotten such a strong hold on me that I sort of pay it no mind. And I thought, well, maybe this guy does whatever he does. And we load the pipe and hold the lighter to it. And as it starts to melt, it turns fucking red. It should never turn red. It should just melt and be clear with a purple or pink tinge to it. That's good dope. This shit immediately turned a dark red. You know what turns dark red in a pipe? Fucking powdered caffeine. This motherfucker sold me a bag of powdered caffeine. Now I'm lit the fuck up here. Okay, I'm like, uh, let's go to your boy's house. Like I was about to fucking take whatever the fuck he had. I was hot. But Alan wasn't having it, man. Like, he was not the confrontational type like that. And he certainly didn't want to be the one to be like, yo, I showed my buddy where you live so he can fuck you up because you did us dirty. Like, he's not getting involved that way. And everybody kind of calmed me down. But see, here's the thing. You guys, like, the mission was, let's get to Vegas. But we've been up for a couple days. So we needed something to get us up enough to go and i said no fuck that we're, we're going now you got four people coming down in a car heading to vegas you're talking six to eight hour drive depending on how fast you go and you're already coming down you're not even up when you leave you're down but we went we went jenny was cool with it cindy was cool with it i was cool with it alan started off cool with it and like immediately became a bitch about it but the problem was, is by the time he became a bitch about it, we were 200 miles into the trip. Like, this guy was coming down hard. The cleaner your dope, the easier the come down, right? So your body's not coming off of many different things. So my come downs weren't really ever that drastic because it was clean drugs. God, I, I hear what I'm saying, but just bear with me here. There wasn't a bunch of cut. There certainly wasn't any fucking powdered caffeine in it. So if Alan's been doing a bunch of this guy's dope and he's been cutting it with fucking God knows what, then his come down is going to be a lot harder because his body has different properties running through his system to try to process. So he's fucking hurting. You know, we got to Vegas. Admittedly, the drive there, kind of a blur for me. But we got to Vegas and and we walked around this casino, that casino, and and Cindy and I were like wide-eyed. Like we're finally here. We'd been talking about going to Vegas for the longest and just never made it. I mean, hell, the 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 story about 
going to Vegas in episode, I think it's 13 to ride or die that, that that whole episode is about us trying to get to Vegas even back then. And here we are, we're finally here and like the lights and the, the energy and like, we just felt like it was right. You know, Alan and Jenny were fucking going through it. Jenny handled it pretty well. Um, Alan kept like every time we'd walk past, you know, an ashtray there everywhere in Vegas, he'd grab like smokes that people had put out and he was smoking those and, it's kind of gross, but anyway, that's where he was in his come down. Is he was just picking up ashed out cigarettes to smoke, and he was fucking miserable. But he he was trying to fuck our time up. I don't know if he was trying to intentionally, but you know he wasn't trying not to. But we walked all over Vegas and reading every billboard, and and Cindy picked up a for rent magazine, and she's like, "What if we just." live here and i was like yeah that's crazy right we had a great time we had a great time now mind you again this was a, a turnaround trip right go have fun come back okay well we went and we tried to have fun but unfortunately alan had other plans he wanted to go home eventually we gave in because we were still trying to see this that and the other and eventually we got in the car we went home we might have been there 10 hours that fucking guy. I mean, he was going through it hard. He was like shaking in the front seat. I don't know. Maybe he was coming off of something else. Now that I'm I'm sitting here thinking about it, at the time it, it paid me no, never mind. I maybe he was on some other shit. We get home, we get back to their apartment, and Cindy and I are like, all right, we're we're gonna go. <laughs> like, we've had enough of this situation. And you know, I'm I'm not 100%. We just went back to bouncing around, but but it was a very quick trip to the conversation that she and I had. You know, she had talked about there was this. I think it was a billboard she saw about the massage therapy school out there in in Vegas. She wanted to go do that. I just wanted to be in Vegas. Like that was my whole point the whole time. And and she would like spend hours flipping through this for rent book, and she would circle places and. You know, she was like figuring it all out. She was really excited. I was really excited. I was really excited to be home too because I could go get some of my dope and get clean high. You know, because I was, I was, I admittedly, I was hurting too, but I, I was ready to get high off some good shit. So, you know, she and I devised a plan that we would ask her parents for some help to move out to Vegas start over, start clean, be better. Now, mind you, it's not, when I say start clean, we weren't sharing with them, whether they knew it or not, I don't really know. Okay. But we were not sharing that we were on drugs. I, I, I mean, let's assume that they weren't stupid. Okay. But it wasn't in, in like, Oh, we're going to Vegas to go clean up. It was, Hey, we want a fresh start and we'd like to go to Vegas. And your parents were all for it. They were like very supportive. Hey, Cindy's going to go to school. I'm going to get a job. Like we're just going to get away from this valley where they know that we're we're stuck doing nothing and going nowhere. That much I, I they acknowledged to to us. And they were like, "All right." So they helped us rent a car, gave us a little bit of money to just kind of get it get it rolling. And within I would say two weeks of being back from that trash trip with Jenny and Alan, we were on our way back to Las Vegas, but, but this time it was to stay. 
and we get out we get out there we take the trip super exciting no we're not sober <laughs> not on the trip anyway but when we got there there was no there was no connect there was no where to go to get dope there was like we had to be clean and and i'm going to tell you like we did it for a while we got there you know, we had a few days where we were kind of hurting, body aches, not doing really well. But we got there. We got we got Cindy signed up at the massage therapy school. We lived at a place called Harbor Island. Now, Harbor Island is like in the neighborhood that's that's east of the strip behind, let's say, what is it? What is now Planet Hollywood? At the time, it was the Aladdin and I, I went up to the Aladdin and I just I just took a lap, right? And the Aladdin had like this strip mall that like ran through and around it, you know, as the the Vegas casinos do. And there was a there was an oxygen and water massage therapy like day spa thing on it that's just outside the casino entrance. And they were hiring. And I walked in and like started a conversation and and I swear to God they put me to work like I, I got the job. I was starting work, I think, two days later. Now, they had a site there at the Aladdin, and they had a site at the Tropicana. I was like, hey, do we need any more help? And they were like, yeah, actually, we could use a couple more people. So I got Cindy on. So she and I now both work at the same place. Our schedules were lined up. You know, Cindy's parents had helped us rent a car. So I was able to get her to and from her massage therapy classes. She could get to work. And I was positioned at the Tropicana location. And I worked with this old timer, Jesse, I think his name was, this old guy. I'll never forget this dude because it struck me as odd. Like, here I am. I'm in my my early 20s, and, and I'm thinking, you're kind of old to be doing this shit, bro. Like, it, it, But he was a cool cat. He was very Vegas. You know, like, he had been there a long time, and he kept telling me, he's like, man, this, this city is going to eat you up and spit you out. And I said, nah, bro, not me. Not me, man. I ain't the one. So this job. All right, let's talk about this job for a second. So my job was to man an oxygen bar. Now, for those of you that don't know what an oxygen bar is, it's where people pay you, at the time, 20 bucks to sit down for 15 minutes, and you put on the nose cannulas and, and you know over your ear, and you plug into this machine, and you can select different scents. And the idea here is, is that you're telling you know, the oxygen is going to help rejuvenate you and, and oxygenate your blood and help with your hangover, right? That was like the kick that I, the approach that I took. And I proceeded to sell just $1,000 worth a day in a four-hour shift of oxygen. I'm selling you shit. You're, you're breathing. I'm selling you more breathing for 20 bucks. And I made $1,000 a day doing that. I mean, I didn't make it, but I made it for the company. That's how many people, and I mean, I, I came up with this whole shtick about like, oh, you know, the the air you're breathing now is 16% actual oxygen, and this bumps it up to 24%, which helps over-oxygenate your blood, which helps kick out the the hangover and the cloudiness in your head. And fuck, when you're in Vegas, that's a sell. They would sell these like back massager things are called happy hands. And it, they, you know, so I'd throw a towel over their back and I'm sitting there rubbing and I'm just spitting my bush. And they're like, how much are those? And I'm boom, sell that shit. Like I was getting my hustle fix, selling fucking oxygen to people that are already breathing. I was good at it. 
they moved me from the Tropicana back over to the Aladdin and they had opened up like a cart style four breather. So there was four seats at this little cart style O2 bar that we had in like a breezeway that led out. And, you know, interestingly, the guy with the the stand across from me was selling Australian made Uggs before Uggs were huge. And I remember like, hey, man, what is this? this is amazing. What does this feel like? And they tell me how much I think the boots back then were like 300 bucks. I was like, fuck, that's expensive. So I'm hustling, man. I'm I'm hustling, selling oxygen. Cindy's doing really well. They let her work in the main store, of course. She's cute, right? Like gets the guys to come in there. And she works side by side with this girl, Sam. And, you know, she and Sam struck up a little friendship. I mean, as you do, you know, people of similar age that work together have similar interests and blah, 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 right? And we had been talking that we were staying at Harbor Island. Now, Harbor Island was at least in the for rent book, like this Oasis style weekly living. It's where, you know, when you go to Vegas and, and you don't want to stay in a hotel, if you're going to be there for a whole week or so, you stay in one of these pay by the week kind of places, right? Save yourself some coin. At the time, I think it was like 180 bucks a week, which was perfect for us. We didn't have any fucking money. And we're staying there and Sam starts telling Santa like, oh, you don't want to live there. So he's like, why not? Like, we had no negative experiences. Like, it was nice, you know, the, the pool, the palm trees, you know, the whole aesthetic of it was great. But according to Sam, it was like, a, you know, a drug haven. Like, everybody that lived there was a dope fiend or a dope dealer and, you know, pimps and prostitutes. We were like, what? Like, we haven't seen that at all. You know what I mean? We've been there for a little while, too. We hadn't seen none of that. What came of that conversation was Sam was like, hey, I got an extra room at my house. Why don't you guys just pay me rent and come stay with me and we can all hang out and so on. And, you know, we had probably been here, I don't know, maybe, maybe two or three weeks by this point. And we were like, yeah, how nice would that be to not like be in this apartment? Cause admittedly, like it's a, it's a one bedroom. It's like a studio, you know, your couch folds out into the bed and the the kitchen's right over there. Like you can reach the kitchen from the bed and the, there's a bathroom, like a closet with a small, anyway, it's a small joint. Right. Oh, let's go stay in a house. And so we gather up the little bit of shit that we had with us. And, and we went and moved into this chick Sam's house. And it was nice. It was further east off the strip, but it was a house, you know, and, and we started feeling like, okay, we're, we're progressing here. We've been sober for a few, like three weeks now. Like we're doing well. Cindy's taking her classes, you know, we're doing well at work. There's a, a Saturday that we all wound up off, which is kind of unusual um, for working for this joint, for all of us to be off the same day. And we were chilling. We decided, hey, let's party. Let's have a couple drinks. And, you know, and, and we started drinking and having a good time. And, and we started talking about our past, you know, a little bit. Just kind of, you know, everybody in Vegas has a story, right? And so we started telling ours and fucking Sam's like, oh, you guys did meth. And I was like, oh, fuck, dude. She's going to fucking boot us out. And she gets up, she leaves the room. And I'm like, dude, like we, uh, we might've fucked up. Nah, no, we didn't fuck up. She, uh, she came back in the room with a pipe and a bag of dope. Fuck. 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 You think either of us said no? Fuck. No, we didn't. 
it it found me again. I, I swear to God, like I I I wasn't looking for it. I wasn't looking for it. But I'm gonna tell you what fucked Sam up is is uh, she did not she was not prepared for how much I smoke. <laughs> okay, you know she was like I'm gonna get a little high kind of chick. Well, I'm like a, let's smoke it all until it's gone and buy more kind of dude. And that's we did it my way that night. You know, so much so she wound up calling her partner, this guy Mike, that lived on a street that was kind of catty corner from the front of her house. It was a, you know, another residential street. And he was just right around the corner, a few streets down. And she brings him over and he hangs out for a bit and he gets us high, leaves us what we're paying for. And off he goes and motherfucker, man, we're fucking high again. That's not what this was about. Vegas was the way out. Right. Vegas was the start over. Vegas was the geographical, right? People that are in sobriety, they know what a geographical is. Dude, changing your location does not change your situation. You got to change your mind, not your location. And man, this shit found me again. You know, it found me so much that uh, when Cindy would be at her massage therapy classes or when she was at work and Sam was at work. I took it upon myself to go over to this guy, Mike's house and see, here's the thing. Here's where I was in my mind. Like I seen the dude pull up in front of Sam's. I saw what he drove and she told me where he lived. So all I did was took a walk around the corner, found the car, knocked on the door. I didn't give a fuck. I, and I don't know that he was necessarily cool with it, but drug dealers are trying to make money, right? I had money. So he started selling me whatever I wanted. Cindy was being a lot better than I was. She would party with us on days that she didn't have school or work or whatever. But me, on the other hand, I'm getting lit. And I'm going to tell you, like, it, the surface level, like, my hustle stepped. Like, now I'm selling $1,500 worth of oxygen to people because now I can't shut the fuck up. Right. Because now I'm just on one and I'm just selling, selling, selling. And people leave tips, right? People would tip. It's an oxygen bar, quote unquote, right? So they would leave tips. And yo, I was making two, three hundred dollars in tips of selling oxygen. You guys, come on, man. Somebody got to come pat me on the back for that. You know, people say, oh, I can sell ice to Eskimos or so. I sold oxygen to humans. It was fun for a while, for a short while. Because, see, two things were happening behind the scenes. One of them I was in control of. One of them I was not. You see, if you recall, when we were a little further back in this very same story, I had mentioned that Cindy's parents helped us rent a car. Well, guess who didn't return that car? Well, it wasn't her parents. Well, yeah. So they were having trouble getting a hold of us because we were back to feeling shame about what we were doing again and they had to come out and they found us at work because we told them shared where we worked and they found us at work and they came and got the car because they were getting in trouble because the rental company was getting ready to report it stolen now mind you we had had it five six weeks seven weeks something like that by this time that was not the intent of this now mind you it's not that we sat down and had a specific conversation about, you know, hey, you guys got to return this once you're there or anything like that. But I'm sure it was implied and assumed that that's what was going down. It certainly wasn't to fucking keep this car for six, seven, eight weeks, whatever the hell it was. But they had to come out and they had to get it. 
you know, under normal circumstances, people would be like, oh, man, I fucked up. I'm so sorry. Here's your car. Let me try to help to pay it back or whatever. And and instead, with the drugs running through our bodies or my body anyway, I was like, oh, I'm without a car again. The world is against me. And fucking man, the mindset, you know what I mean? The addict mindset is, oh, woe is me. It's always happening to me instead of look what I did. And here are the repercussions of my actions. No, never that. But I, I didn't dwell in that too far. But again, it all starts somewhere. One problem becomes covered by another, covered by another. And it might have been, I don't know, seven or eight days after they came and got the car and went back home. None too pleased with us, but happy to see Cindy's in school and we're working. That uh, Sam's mom shows up to the house. And I mean, this chick fucking loses her shit like we left because this woman came in and she was yelling and screaming and we were like nope don't want no part of this and so we left and we just walked around like where are we going to go we got no car we're further east from the strip than we were previously so we just kind of roamed around and we came back to the house and she was like yeah my uh my mom says you guys have to go i was like what what are you talking about She's like, yeah, this is her house. I'm like, you said this is your house. She's like, well, it's hers. I just live here. I was like, all right. And she's like, yeah, she's a, um, she's a Scientologist, and she doesn't want you guys here because she wants me to return back to the church and all this crazy shit, right? And apparently her mother knew that Sam had an, a, a drug problem and blamed us for her being back on drugs. Here's the thing, lady. She was never off the drugs. Fucking don't fucking blame me, but we were like, uh, what what, what do you mean we gotta go? She's like, Yeah, you guys gotta go. She's like, it's cool. You guys could take a couple days and figure it out, but you guys gotta go. And we we're like, what the fuck? This is where we started learning that the people that we worked for were also Scientologists. You know, we were young, we were stupid, and we didn't pay any attention. But in a conversation that we had with Sam after we, you know, she was filling us in the whole thing about how, you know, her mother is in the church. And if she doesn't return to the church with her mother soon, they will not be able to speak anymore and all this crazy shit. Right. And and, and mind you, this is my, like my first kind of exposure to Scientology. And again, I don't know it, it, this. This could just be a one off. I'm not trying to speak ill about Scientologists. I don't don't fucking don't come after me about it y'all but there started being people when we were at work that were like really shitty to us and telling us we need to get the fuck out of sam's house like they were really mean to us telling us we need to get out i've never seen these people before but they would sit at the bar at the oxygen bar and they would just berate me about being there and they were like every, like it didn't matter if i was at the tropicana one or in the breezeway one or at the main one it didn't matter somebody was like always talking shit about us being at sam's well this is where we started getting hip that the owners of the oxygen bar were Scientologists as well. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't care who hears this, and you can look into it. These people were adding a tax to our paychecks. And it wasn't a lot, but it was enough. that it was. It, but it was coming out every paycheck. 
and they were fucking contributions to the fucking church of Scientology that was in some somewhere in our paperwork that allowed for it, that we signed away because fucking when you're looking for a job, you're just signing shit. So these motherfuckers were taking my money and donating it or whatever they were doing about the church of Scientology. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? Yo, I, I needed, I, I put that piece of information. Cindy and I just put it in our pocket. Cause right now we had to work. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to walk away from a job because it wasn't a ton of money. It was just a percentage. Right. So, but little, little bits add up, but we get back to Sam's one night. All our shit is, is outside. I mean, it wasn't like thrown out like fucking like a dude that cheated on his wife style, just thrown out in piles. It was put in bags and fucking sat outside. But Sam was being a fucking bitch about it. I told you you needed to leave. And we're like, you said we could have a few days. Well, it was a show she was putting on because her fucking punk ass mother was in the house. And so so there was like a, a show to be put on. And All right. We'll go. The car's taken away from us. And I'm looking at that all wrong. We're thrown out of a house just because we're not fucking Scientologists and you're blaming us for your daughter's drug addiction? Fuck you, lady. But I'll go. You got your own problems to deal with. There's people harassing us at work. Other Scientologists telling us we need to get out of Sam's mother's home and we're bad people and all this fucking shit. This is not what I came here for. But now I'm a victim again, right? God, I'm not a victim again. Well, you know what you do when you're a victim with some money in your pocket and nowhere else to go? Yeah, you guessed it. You go to Mike's house and you buy some dope. You buy some dope. Hey, Cindy, this is, remember Mike? Yeah, let's go get high. So we get some dope. Mike was nice enough after we explained he was like yeah those people are fucking crazy bro I said you couldn't have shared that with me the night you came over and he was like I didn't know if you were one of the crazy ones but yeah so he gave us a ride back to Harbor Island you pay for a week start getting loaded start figuring out what to do next because see here's what happened we get to Harbor Island and now we're high and we're angry and so now we pull that bit of information about our paychecks out of our pocket and we go to work and we're asking them, Hey, what's this, uh, what's this deduction here? And they're like, Oh, it's a deduction you signed away on. They were, they were like really smug and shitty about it because again, these are Sam's mother's friends from the church of Scientology. So they were as zoned in on us being a problem as Sam's mother was. You know, I could make up a name for Sam's mother, but fuck that lady, because that shit's crazy. So guess what, y'all? We quit. We both quit. Same day, same time. Fuck you. You don't get no more of my money. Fuck you, crazy Scientologists. You know, I had always been very good at getting a job. When I was ready to work, I, I get a job in a heartbeat. If I could talk, I got a job. So I wasn't worried about it. But now I'm in a state away from family, support. I have no car. I have direct access to dope. By the way, it was fucking good dope. It was really good dope. And I got no job. But I had not a care in the world. Because I always figure it out. And best of all, I was in Vegas. 
Viva Las Vegas. Listen, y'all. I'm going to let you go here. Because this is about to get wild. And if I start jumping into it now, this is going to be a five-hour episode. So let's take a break. Regroup. I want to thank you for listening. I appreciate every single one of you. If you want to reach out, uh, let's see. At My Madness Method on Instagram. My Madness Method 819 at Gmail. Uh, I've got my, my website now. 819product.com that's the word 819product.com you can check that out you can see some of the other projects I've been on or are working on please reach out I'd love to hear from you stay safe we'll talk soon my name is Jason Farias and this is my madness method